0: This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything, just dial in toll-free, 1-800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL, CAI, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Coming up, we'll share with you uh, the latest from the socialized medicine system, or at least a, a very sad story, From the uh, the UK, Uh, but first your calls about anything. We go first to Gordon in Illinois. Gordon, you're on Free Talk Live.
1: Hi, guys. Hey, Gordon. Um, Hey, I wanted to call. uh, You guys have have kind of touched on this subject the last couple of days about uh, voting. Okay. And uh, I wanted to call up and tell you why I, as kind of a hardcore libertarian nut job, decide to vote.
2: By all means, tell me
0: about it.
1: The reason is uh, mostly the people I vote for end up not getting elected, and uh, that allows me, when I'm talking to people uh, who aren't of the libertarian mindset, it allows me to say, look, these people don't represent me. I voted for this guy. He didn't get in, so this guy, by not voting for him, I said, he doesn't represent me, so why should I have to do what, uh, what he wants?
0: Well, one could argue with that by saying that, uh, well, you voted, so therefore you are playing their game, and you consented by voting to uh, doing what those other people want.
2: Is that what the consent, is it, you know, where is this consent stated? Oh, I right. don't know. I'm, I'm just saying one could argue that. that.
1: I'm not consenting. I'm saying I want this guy to speak for me, and he's not speaking for me. This other guy's trying to speak for me. It's kind of similar to the problem uh, that you brought up, I think it was on yesterday's show, uh, where they wouldn't let you vote. Therefore, they're they're not allowing you to be represented.
2: Right, but I mean, I agree with. I mean, this is this is kind of how I feel. I was told, I, you know, I talking to some guy at the you know uh, organization that I'm going and hanging out here recently, and he's like, "Well, we are the government," and I'm like. Maybe you're the government, but I'm not the government. Uh, Nobody I've voted for uh, in the last 10 years, I think one guy that I voted for in the last 10 years has gotten into office.
0: But that's the system we live in, Mark. I'm trying to take their position, the the person who would be arguing with you. That's the system we live in. You, You live in a system where you vote, and then you take what you get.
2: Well, the slaves lived in a system where they were born into slavery, and they worked in the fields, and that's what they got. Now, if you don't like it, you can vote to change it well i i I think that voting to change it is one way to go about it, but until changing then you've it. got
0: to do everything they tell you to. why because, because they'll that's throw me the in a system. cage
2: no, they'll throw me in a cage is the reason why, oh yeah, yeah. Right. see, it's not because I agreed to anything, it's because they use force to get their way. I prefer
0: the reason for voting for me to be uh defensive i
2: because it is the reason I vote.
0: <laughs> right. But that's the reason that I would stand on rather than the reason uh, that you're pointing out there, uh, Gordon, because the, when I vote, I'm voting to reduce harm. I'm voting as a harm reduction method. I'm voting for. Um, first of all, I'm not going to vote in a race wherein I can't really discern the difference between the two politicians. And that's most of them. But if there is somebody that's actually of a pro liberty uh, basis, uh, that is is fairly principled, I will uh, cast a vote for that person um because it's defensive because that will result if that person were to win in less damage being done to innocent people not sure, because I, are, not because I still believe kind of that I would be represented that by for. that person because I couldn't be
1: Those are the kind of people that I vote for but the problem is they generally don't get elected Nope and that is and the problem When when I you know when I'm having a conversation with a you know air quotes here normal person um I say you know I voted for this guy because I wanted them to get in. They didn't get in, therefore my wishes were not respected in the in the voting process. Mm-hmm.
3: And the 51 percent uh, of the population took your rights away. That's correct. Yeah, I think that this uh, this situation
2: in Maine here with the uh, most recent thing where they were putting up uh, gay marriage to to the vote. It was 52% to 48%. um, What happened? uh, Where the gay marriage was voted down in May in Maine, um, and as a result, and it's it has been voted down whenever it's been put up to a popular vote. I personally don't understand what it is about gay people and the word marriage, because they they tend to get this. Thing called civil unions, which is just like marriage, they tend not to get uh, marriage. So I don't, I don't understand why it is that they have to have that word.
0: Maybe they just feel like they should be equal.
2: I, I, sure, but it's not. But I understand the people that might vote against its claim that marriage is between man and woman, and civil unions can be between two guys. That's fine. But
0: that well, okay, I understand that. But maybe they, uh, maybe gay people would say to you that they, uh, you know, it's their understanding that marriage is between two people that love one another. Or three people, or
1: five people. I completely agree with Ian that the government should stay the heck out of marriage altogether. Yeah, Yeah. and that's That's, how I feel too.
3: Me too, and and that's the real issue. These people are begging for this this government marriage institution when really they should be talking about getting government out of marriage to begin with.
0: Sure, but they don't understand that position, Wayne, because nobody ever talks about that.
3: Right. So what they see uh, is
2: that uh, heterosexuals are allowed to get this government permission slip, and they aren't. Well, the, if, the, if the government permission slips the same, it's just called something different, they're still getting it. Still
1: doesn't seem bring, the same to I me. I can bring up another one of your favorite subjects, about a week and a half ago, I attended a Quaker wedding. Yes. There was nothing government-related in that wedding at all.
3: I've heard about and that. The
1: stood up, said their vows, and sat down.
3: No marriage and, license was obtained?
1: Well, a marriage license was obtained, but it was go. completely not part of the ceremony. There was a, a wedding, a marriage certificate that was signed by everybody there, including children who couldn't even write yet. Everybody signed it. Everybody witnessed the marriage. And as a formality, completely after the ceremony and not in front of people or with any fuss made about it, the clerk of the meeting signed the legal document so that the bride and groom could have the state supplied so-called rights and privileges that oh, go on. Oh, that's sad. In now,
2: I was uh, buried in an Anglican church, and your pretty, pretty traditional wedding. And the marriage certificate uh, from the government marriage license or whatever was not a p- part of the ceremony either. There was there was no piece of paper that was a part of the ceremony except. Well,
0: is it ever? I mean, I've. Right, I've I don't, seen i do not know.
2: I'm, I'm I'm explaining that the one that I'm most intimately right. involved in. I've only been married one time, and. That that piece of paper was signed by me, my wife and the, the the preacher man uh later.
1: Right. Well I mean what I was saying though is in the in the Quaker ceremony there was a uh there was a marriage document that was a a significant part of the ceremony. Gotcha. But it had nothing to do with, with the state.
0: state. Gotcha. Interesting point tonight, Gordon. Any other thoughts? Uh, that'll do it. Thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Mark, I see what you're saying when it comes to uh, gay people getting married. I'm that, not advocating uh, this...
2: one thing or the other, Ian. No, no, but That's I see what I'm saying. I...
0: I understand that you're trying to defend the uh, the civil unions, and what I'm telling you is, to a gay person, and I'm, I'm just speculating here, we don't have Dale on the show tonight. But that might sound like – and I know that Dale would say that he wants to get the government out of marriage because that is, of course, the free – that's the freedom perspective is to end government involvement in marriage whatsoever. Right, and and that's my perspective. I understand that. What I'm talking about is the way gay people pr- pr- that are not of the liberty mindset, which is probably most of them, sure. perceive this. It sounds to me like when you say that, oh, well, you guys can just have civil unions. It's the same thing as marriage. We're just calling it something different. That sounds to me like saying, hey, you black
2: people have your own water fountain over there. It works the same as that other water fountain. You just need to use that one. Well, and my question t- um, to That's you how I would feel about this it. is, am I, as a liberty-oriented individual... Am I in any way obligated to support these people in their pursuit of a government marriage? I don't feel that I am. I, I don't see that you would be. Why would I'm you? I'm not. I mean, I just don't see that I am. You Do know, you see I,
0: my point, though, about how yes, you're saying separate but equal? Yes, I understand the
2: point. I, fine. Okay. But, but <laughs> All right. Keep your separate but equal out of my life is how I feel about it. I don't feel that I should have Who's to... Who's getting d- into your life? I don't understand The what government officials, when they tell you that you have to cover someone's spouse with insurance... What does that have to do with you? What, I'm confused. Okay. Well, if you're as an, employer, an employer. Yeah, if you're an employer. Oh, I see. It's now opening up a whole new bunch of people yeah. that I'm obligated to cover and and you know do things with right. that I may or may not want to do. Now, as an employer, do you have to provide insurance to your employees? No. Okay, so why don't you just stop? So just stop and um, impl- providing an employees make well, your job if, easier. What it? if I'm a good Christian guy and that's a, an important thing to me to supply insurance to my uh, heterosexual people, but not, uh, but I don't want to do it to, if, if one of my you employees. You know, I support that you should be free by the old uh, the gayness past. You me. You should
0: and, be free to be as much of a bigot as you want to, Mark. Yes, uh, your, it should that's, be your choice.
2: That, I guess that that's kind of I'm I'm on the fence on when it comes to this gay marriage thing. I must I'm just on the fence on it.
0: Toll free number 259 eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the Seckel. CAI toll free line. It seems to me that if you're going to have the government uh, forcing people to uh, extract money from them to give them a permission slip and other people want to get that permission slip, they should be able to. Uh, But I think that the true, of course, liberty solution is to abolish government marriage, obviously. 800 259 9231, you can take control. This is Free Talk Live.
4: If you're paying more than 14.95 per month for DSL, you are paying way too much. It's time to make the switch to DSL Extreme, the nation's number one internet service provider. DSL Extreme is fast and at 14.95 per month, it's cheaper than dial-up. Plus, you get free spam protection, a free modem, and 24-hour a day free local tech support with no setup fees. A Call 1-866-2-GETNET. That's 1-866-the number 2 getnet or go to dslextreme.com.
0: This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Uh, you are invited to our website as well. and We have live streams, the broadband version of the show, a dial-up version, a webcam, and the brand-new Free Talk Live Listen lines. It's all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen freetalklive.com. You can intern in film and alternative media with the IHS Production Internship Program. It offers paid internships, paid internships, mm-hmm. at production companies that are making films, documentaries, online video programs, and more. The program includes... A week-long interdisciplinary IHS seminar, a stipend, and a housing allowance. Uh, applicants at all levels of experience are encouraged to apply. Placements are available during the spring, summer, and fall. Apply for a spring placement by November 15th and for the summertime by February 15th at internships.com. What a great opportunity. Paid internships of a liberty-oriented perspective, thanks to the IHS. Head over to Internships.com. As we continue here, we will take your calls about what you want, but in the meantime, we'll travel over to the UK and take a look into the national health system, as we like to from time to time, uh, because there are always, you can just count on socialized medicine to crank out tragic stories of people being mistreated, inhumane hospital conditions, and just awfulness, and especially when it comes to the elderly, because, well, as it turns out, the government doesn't have an incentive to really take care of the elderly patients that they uh, that they bring in. They're toward the end of their lifespan, and because the government people are not going to get paid whether the patient lives or dies, they're not really that
2: concerned over those things. Well, that's that that would be true um, for the uh, for the younger people too. However, the older people have the added disadvantage that. They're no longer paying into the system, so they may be viewed right. as a burden. A burden. You know, and it's, it, it, it can be easy to see them that way. I, I, I get that. So Whereas in the United States, uh, where they look got, more like a piggy bank.
0: Right. We've got at least a semi-free-ish health care system in comparison to the NHS in that you can still go and you can still buy a private care in many many ways Uh, though the government is slowly sort of taking over the industry uh it is a mostly socialized system in this country it is not a free market in the united states but all that said at least you can go out and shop around should you want to do that in the case of the nhs you get what they give you and you can complain but that's about it there's Uh,
2: always the option of waiting of waiting silently die and suffering gotcha
0: Uh, Well, in this case, uh, some of these stories that you're going to hear here from the Daily Mail, maybe silently suffering would have been preferable. I don't know. But according to Harriet Sargent of the Daily Mail, one day when I was touring in North London Hospital, I stopped in horror in front of an old lady in a blue bed jacket. Her face was a mass of bruises. I assumed she'd been brutally mugged, but the matron I was shadowing looked embarrassed. The old lady was indeed a victim, but of the NHS, that's the National Health Service, and its dreadful treatment of the elderly. First, a wrong prescription from her general practitioner had left her so dizzy that she had tripped over and broken her hip. Mm. Then she'd fallen out of her hospital bed and bashed her face. I asked why the NHS bed lacked the cot sides available in private hospitals. She said, we believe, in physical, we believe physical restraint is inappropriate to our patient's dignity, uh, said the matron. It's a case that sums up why the NHS is failing our elderly through misdiagnosis, ignorance, and a culture that neglects and even despises them, putting government targets over compassion
3: and common sense. Our- you, you know, here's, here's another problem with it. I've, I read a story about a year ago, and this didn't surprise me. And I actually talked to some of my friends who were in the medical field, and they confirmed it, that there are literally serial killers who work in hospitals. Mm. and they work in especially caring for the elderly and they they like killing them off they like oh my god overdosing them and there there are people who have been convicted of, of dozens of, of murders within a hospital over a
2: period of years yeah i wouldn't i i, w- I wouldn't think that a, ser- a serial killer is likely to be something that you're going to run across in your life however you won't if you know were, if you met one right if you were a serial killer where where would you work if you were a pedophile where would you work mm-hmm. if these are things that are important to you where would you work
3: especially when there's no incentive to take care of
0: these people and lengthen their lives. Right, and who's really going to right. – if there's no incentive to take care of them, who's going to really have the incentive to investigate too heavily if they pass away? Sure, yeah. if,
2: and if, if it's your mother and you want to investigate, what kind of – if it's hard enough to investigate a private company, try investigating the government. Yeah. Tell, tell me how that goes.
0: She says, I remember the poor, bruised woman when I read the horrific results this week of the healthcare Commission's investigation into conditions at Staffordshire General Hospital. Hundreds of patients there, most of them elderly individuals, who in any civilized society would expect to be treated with dignity, respect, and compassion, may have died because of appalling care, according to uh, the commission. The litany of complaints from families of the hospital's victims should shame us all. Patients so thirsty they were forced to drink from flower vases. Wards described as war zones, people given war zones wrong medication or none at all, while others had to lie in soiled sheets and sick people left in A&E, not sure what that stands for, uh, covered in blood, for hours rather, covered in blood and without pain relief. True, the problems didn't, didn't apply exclusively to the elderly, but they were by far the most numerous among patients to be treated with such callous disdain. And perhaps the most disturbing fact is that far from being an isolated incident, if you are old and a health service patient anywhere in the country, you suffer more than any other patient. And why does the NHS seem to hate the old so much? A recent survey of 201 doctors by the British Geriatric Society found that 7 out of 10 specialists believe the elderly are less likely to receive a proper diagnosis and essential treatment than our younger patients. Almost half of the doctors believe the health service is institutionally ageist and more than half admitted that they were worried themselves about how the NHS would treat them in their old age. Now these are the doctors, these are the doctors who themselves work for yeah. the NHS saying Amazing. this. They are saying that the institution itself is ageist and of course it is for the reasons we were just talking about. The young people in the, in Great Britain are the ones paying taxes, so it makes more sense to keep them satisfied. It makes more sense to give them the treatment that they're expecting to receive, at least on some level. Uh, and, and indeed, this is what we hear from people that are calling us from places like Canada and other places where uh, they've had socialized medicine and they've had a good experience they'll tell us of this this glowing story about how wonderful it was to be able to visit the hospital and to not have to pay anything
2: absolutely it that and that (laughs) happens in the united states too we call it insurance it's unfortunately it create it has created a problem here in the united states um in that people think that they can go get free health care and uh you know it's a it's a problem everywhere and the i think that the issue that comes into play and i'm not backing up insurance companies here but at least if you're dealing with an insurance company that uh, is is screwing you around you have the a opportunity to pay for service elsewhere in some manner or another, I understand you paid for the, the service and you should get it. However, you can also take them to court and all that other stuff. Try suing the government.
3: The
0: NHS, right?
3: Right.
2: The, the government doesn't have the same incentives that a, a private company does.
3: And the private companies are still pretty bad, but they're not as bad as government. Your satisfaction will never be guaranteed with the government health care system. You'll just get
0: what you get and you'll take it. Whether you like it or not is up to you. 800-259-9231. There's more to the story here about how the elderly are treated under the national health care system in Great Britain. It is a story that one should take close to heart if they are somebody, if you are somebody, who supports the idea of government-run health care. 1-800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever you want if you've got a story in relation to this. It's Free Talk Live.
5: This Your
6: Family Today tip is brought to you by NestleFamily.com, where nourishing healthy, happy families is filled with fun. Avoid worrying your child about foods she should and shouldn't eat when she visits friends by providing her with a healthy snack as a gift to the host. That way, she can decide to eat what you've sent without feeling isolated from the other kids. And if she decides not to eat it, that's okay, too. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com YourFamilyToday.
0: This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll free at 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. 800 259 9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, updates included. Go head up uh, to updates.freetalklive.com and get signed up. We will send you emails whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. In fact, sent one out last night. Uh, There's a brand new auction going on right now. You can bid on the third banner on our website, and you'll get it for a month. You can advertise virtually anything uh, for a whole month straight on pretty much every page on our website. Head over to auction.freetalklive.com. If you want to know about those things when they happen, uh, just get on the updates list at
2: updates.freetalklive.com. This weekend, I went uh, grocery shopping with the wife, and instead of uh, having to take the shopping shopping cart all the way out to the car, just uh, put the old bags on the sac and uh, i had one in each hand and carried them right out and gave them a little turn when i put them in the back of the uh suv drove them home picked them up carried them in it sac makes shopping so much easier mark get the groceries <laughs> doesn't even have to tell me it's that easy yeah now laura doesn't have to help you carry them in right i mean no it's... she's got her hands full with jack uh, you know so otherwise it, for me it was left with two or three trips or however long it would take t-o-t-a-s-a-k dot com uh, go get a family pack today. It's TOTASAC. They carry more than you can, a lot more. TOTASAC.com. The
0: Daily Mail in the U.K. is reporting on the, the status of elderly patients under the NHS. That's the National Health Service, I believe is what it stands for over there. It's the government's health care system. And in the U.K., that's pretty much all that exists. It's my understanding they are... Ma- are there still private clinics in the in the UK? I'm always confused about this whether it's yes. Canada or the it's Canada where private clinics are outlawed as I understand it and I believe that's correct. It's the UK where you can still get it if you really have a whole lot of money. But uh, most people are taxed to the point where they can't afford the private clinics so they have to go to the NHS which results in well horrible horrific things happening to elderly patients. Indeed, a survey of 201 doctors within the NHS found that 7 out of 10 specialists believe the elderly are less likely to receive a proper diagnosis and essential treatment than our younger patients, and almost half of the doctors believe the health service is institutionally ageist. uh, Most staff strive to treat patients with care and skill, and there's a huge number of, of them whose dedication and professionalism can only be admired. But I spent a year researching a report on the NHS, and I witnessed how the service betrays the elderly at every level. It seems neither they nor the most common illnesses... Excuse me. It seems neither they nor their most common illnesses are. It sees neither they nor their most common illnesses as a priority. I got it now. This is extraordinary because the elderly are at the core business of the NHS, and that's such a mistake. That statement right there. The NHS isn't a business. Businesses are interested in interested in serving their customers. Businesses want to uh, promote their image. In a positive light, they want people to, when you hear their business name, whether it be Coca-Cola or, you know, whatever the business is, Free Talk Live, they want you to think good things about them. So you'll tell your friends and so you'll say good things about them. So your friends and family will go and patronize those businesses so they can stay in business. The government bureaucracy, whatever you're talking about, whether it's the health service or whether it's the judicial system or whether it's the police department, they are not a business. I know the court will say whenever you're in court, they'll they'll say things like, well, do you have more business with the court? And it's just so it's just so misleading. You know, it's it suggests as though it is a business, but it's not because it's not voluntary.
2: People are forced into this. You know, I, I used to work at a uh, gym. Um, I was, a, you know, did personal training and and sold memberships. And I can imagine that it would be just like working at a medical center with with old people. In the uh, at the gym, you know, old people were more work. They required instruction on how to use the machines. Mm-hmm. Um, they often, you know, they they just weren't in as good a shape. They would require, you know, more per- personal training sessions, which I would sell them and make money on um, and then provide that service in the hopes of selling it again and making more money on it, whereas in an institute, in, a, in an organization where they're not making money on these people, then is all they are is the burden, because personal training Correct. sessions are a lot of work.
0: Yeah, the term burden is what I was going to use, because the story goes on to say that they occupy nearly two-thirds of general and acute hospital beds and account for half of the recent growth in emergency admissions and Britain is getting older. By 2025, the number
3: of people over 80 will have increased by about 50%. And their birth rate has declined sharply, too, which means there's less young people paying into the system Oh boy! And a lot of older people who need the services. And the money's not really there for them when they need it most. So if the budget isn't
0: available, then that means it's likely that the elderly will become uh, treated even worse than they are today.
3: Yes. Sure. If you can't afford it, you can't afford it, right? And that's true throughout Europe, Japan, even in America. If it weren't for immigration, America would only be about 1.5 to 1.6 children per couple.
0: Simple demographics aside, it seems almost beyond comprehension that those who enter the NHS, those who choose a career for caring for others, are actually denying civilized treatment to an entire swath of the population. It does seem that way, but... For us, at least, from our perspective, understanding what freedom is all about and understanding how government has – any government program you can look at will essentially create unintended consequences. For us, we see this as just the way the system is. This is just how it works because of their lack of incentives. They don't have the incentive to take care of people appropriately because if those people die, they're pointing out that they have over – uh, over
2: two-thirds of general and acute hospital beds are filled with elder, elderly patients. Sure. Who's going to cost more to take care of? Yeah. Who's going to – I mean, just think about the demographic cells. Who's going to cost more? What costs more, people that are in the end, end of their lives or people who are in the middle of their lives? Obviously, um, you know, they're, they're, they're going to have to cut costs somewhere. And they might as well cut them on people that are going to die in six, nine uh, months, a couple of years anyway. That's right. the way they
0: see it. Saving their lives gets them what? What does it get them? Besides a good newspaper article, you know, maybe. And, and of course, it's it's not likely that uh, a newspaper article will, will be written about all the elderly lives that were saved. And if there is a newspaper article written about one that is like the one we're reading here, uh, if it, if there's an article that is criticizing the hospitals, it doesn't matter. They can always just come out and say how shocked they are by these treatments. Uh, they're shocked by the uh, the conditions and what, what we promise we'll do what it takes to to, to you know, shape up which is, of course, what all government bureaucracies will claim when they're caught red-handed doing something naughty. Whether it's uh, the America's FEMA uh, that was d- just treating people awful, uh, awfully during the Hurricane Katrina debacle, or whatever. Whenever you catch them doing something naughty, they always come out and say, "Well, we are so sorry, and we rest assured this won't happen again. We're going to do the, we're going to restructure our government bureaucracy, uh, and the- it's going to be the largest restructuring the NHS has ever seen in the last 20 years. And don't you worry, we're going to replace the head guy, uh, and we're going to restructure, and everything's and, going to be fine."
2: And I heard recently, um, I believe, is on. The- the radio that they were talking about fema and all that stuff but that was under the republican administration so the the blame was essentially that well republicans don't do social services very mm. well so you've <laughs> got to elect democrats whoa whoa whoa, 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 whoa 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 you can't blame us for that that's right. not government that's republicans and that's As what the barack
0: obama has something to do with how fema's
2: operated what look, the hell does he know about fema uh, you and i agree on this obviously but you know, that's that's just how some people see it.
3: The government's too big for any one person or even one small group of people to really manage. So so much of it is is uh, it, it keeps going on the same regardless of who's in power. Absolutely.
0: I, I mean, the idea that FEMA would all of a sudden restructure itself because Barack Obama was elected. No, that doesn't happen. Those bureaucrats are the same bureaucrats they've been for the last however many years <laughs> yeah. they've been there.
2: Same people. Same pensions. Mm.
0: Surely we should. Same rubber stamps. Back to the Daily Mail. Uh, Surely we should, as a society, care properly for those who in earlier years have nurtured us and who now need our help. Sure. That sounds great. Throw mama from the train. What kind of people have we become that we simply discard our elderly as an inconvenience because they get in the way of government cost-cutting and performance targets? I
2: know what kind. Socialist kind. Worthless People that are eaters. incentivized by government programs.
0: Well, it's she's using uh, collectivist speak, saying that yes. we've become this, we've become that. But earlier in the, in the statement that she makes is that, well, she thinks that we should care for the elderly. So she's probably not the only person who believes that the elderly should be taken care of in the U.K. It's just that what you want... And what you get from a government program
3: are completely different worlds. But you can see this coming. For example, about a month ago, there was a Newsweek article called The Case for Killing Granny, where the woman was trying to explain how when people get to a certain age, they they shouldn't live. They should just let them die.
0: There's more coming up here uh, to this story and your calls as well. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Are you in the U.K. or Canada? You want to comment on this? Uh, You're welcome to bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live.
6: Listen up for something free from Ruger. From now until the end of the year, buy any new Ruger bolt-action rifle and receive a free Ruger-branded Carhartt jacket, both made in America. For more information, go to Ruger.com slash Carhartt. That's Ruger.com slash C-A-R-H-A-R-T-T. Ruger rifles are known for their rugged reliability, handsome style, unique design features, and represent the best value in rifles. Go to Ruger.com and check out a Ruger rifle today.
0: This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial in toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry, Wayne. Go ahead again. And Wayne again. (laughs) And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free. Enjoy those on us. The Shrine of Female listeners is there with the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and video to show, or video to show that they are indeed listening or listeners of this program. Go to shrine.freetalklive.com. Take a look at that.
2: Gold and silver prices have uh, spiked over at Kitco. However, the gold and silver prices at uh, gold.freetalklive.com have stayed the same. Uh, Perhaps they're going to go up in the relatively near future. I can't say. Ted Anderson sets those from Midas Resources, but right now you can go and buy Lakota Nation silver rounds for just $22.30 for an ounce of uh, silver and probably the most beautiful uh, silver ounce you're going to see. Walking Liberty halves for $8.69, British sovereigns for 2 dollars and uh, 20 francs for $2.33. Go to gold.freetalklive.com. Order now. As a matter of fact, if you want to uh, do the layaway right now and, and just pay on a weekly basis when you get your paycheck or biweekly or whatever, you can do that by calling 877-857-9938. Call now. Lock the, these low prices in. 877-857-9938.
0: Toll-free number here, 800-259-9231. We're sharing with you a story from the Daily Mail about the elderly and how they are mistreated across the board in the NHS, the National Health Service, uh, which is the government's health care system over there in the U.K., and it's not an uncommon uh, situation at least of uh, as far as socialized medicine is concerned same things are seen happening up in Canada as well where they also have a socialized medicine system wherein the elderly patients are just not given you know they're given the short shrift they are just not given the same level of care that younger people are and that's how the system is built it's it's inherently that way because they just don't have to care as much about the elderly the elderly aren't really the ones paying the bills in the first place. If they let elderly people die, it just means that, uh, you know, it just means they've got less to do. They don't have, uh, I mean, they're, they're not getting paid by the patient. They're getting paid uh, whatever the, the rate is that they get paid, and, and that's that so they don 't have the incentives to take care of these people it doesn 't matter if people are satisfied with their care and that 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 applies across the board it really doesn 't matter that much whether the uh, the young people are satisfied either because they 're going to have to pay for it anyway, whether they like it or not. But to some extent, the elderly are less important than younger people and because- it doesn 't
2: matter if you live in a fantasy world and you believe that somehow the government can handle this one particular uh, you know, market segment where it can't handle all the rest. Well, this is this is a utility. This is like uh, providing garbage and uh, police work and all that other stuff. Well, I would uh, I, I I would challenge you and, and say that in fact the government does a inefficient job of providing garbage and police work and everything else that they call a utility. So, you know, in your own best interest, keep the government out of
3: healthcare. You know, there are many cultures, including ours at one time, that actually revered elderly people and wanted to keep them around as long as possible for their wisdom and their insight into things. And, you know, w- the way we've we've structured our society now is is we've just put them out to pasture. Yep, now they're just a burden. They're just a burden now, and, and I just, I find that appalling.
0: Well, the story uh, continues here at the Daily Mail. As in other areas of political life, government policy in the National Health Service has placed the emphasis on vote-winning targets, such as waiting times and extended surgery hours for general practitioners. This has been at the expense of the patients who most use the NHS and are the least able to protest, the elderly. That's another good point, that if you are uh, ignoring elderly patients or giving them awful care and services, they're not very likely to gather around uh, some public square for several hours out in mm-hmm. the cold and, uh, and protest.
3: And they're also too sick to vote.
0: The problem is well known. A staggering 1,600 health service managers in a major national survey reported uh, believe that the elderly have benefited least from the government reforms. But common conditions in old people, like osteoporosis and incontinence, for example, still don't attract the government's attention and spending. And how many years have they been doing this now? How long has this uh, government health care system been? In uh, in effect? Well, they're going to
3: reform it now. In Britain now, it's been going on since the late 40s, I believe.
0: Meanwhile, free breast screening stops at age 73, despite powerful evidence that it should continue for much longer, and anyone suffering from mental health problems is refused specialized treatment after age 65. Gee, don't know any uh, elderly people that have mental health problems, do we now? Couldn't be. Mm, Alzheimer's, perhaps, but I've had both of my grandparents, uh, the, two of, of the four of my grandparents had uh, come down with Alzheimer's before they died. What a sad situation. It really is. And they're saying here that, uh, and they were well after 65 by that point. It's not all the government's fault, though. According to the story, discrimination against the elderly is prevalent throughout the medical profession. According to a senior lecturer in elderly care medicine, old people deserve proper diagnosis and treatment, but they're just not getting it. Many doctors will blame symptoms such as confusion and falling at an old age or on old age, but in fact, points out Dr. Oliver, acute confusion can be brought on by a change in the patient's circumstance, a bladder infection, or new medicine. Not always age at all. Medical staff are often not helped by their training, despite the... Now, that's also the government's fault, so they're they're kind of, I think... They're kind of waxing over this, saying that, oh, it's not all the government's faults. The school's faults, too. <laughs> but the schools are training them to work at the government facilities. Uh, the government s- facilities. schools are
2: training them to work at the government facilities. Right. Despite
0: the increase in elderly patients, half of medical schools lack a geriatric medicine department. Well, if you're training people to work in hospitals where the elderly aren't cared cared for, why would you train them on geriatric medicine? Doctors and nurses get only four or five weeks training in caring for the elderly. As Dr. Oliver says, old people are core users of the NHS services, but they are still not high up on the agenda, nor are they popular with many members of medical staff. In surveys for the Royal Society of Medicine, students declare openly that they do not wish to work with old people, but the sheer number of old people using NHS means that most of them will have to. However, many of us want to be, how many of us rather, want to be cared for by a doctor who has little or no interest in our ailments.
2: Now that in- the reason that they don't have any interest is because they're not incentivized to have the interest. Right. I'd like to, uh, to make a case in point. I'm from Sarasota, Florida, actually Bradenton, Sarasota area. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, the doctors and medical professionals there are very interested in dealing with old people. And as a matter of fact, there's more doctors there than, than there are in most places in the United States. I mean, because I there's a lot of old people Because there. there's a lot of old there's people. There's also
3: a lot of rich old people down there, though, too. Right. And
2: that's sort of the, the, the thing here is, you're, you know, the government's already bled most of these people dry. And, uh, you know, so they, they don't have any money. And, and the, it's the old people that need the services of the medical practitioners. You don't have this same scenario going on in the United States.
0: The old-fashioned matron used to be the patient's advocate. She had the power to oversee all elements of a patient's care and take responsibility for their well-being. But the modern matron, an invention of the current government, lacks clear authority at a ward level. Some, through sheer force of personality, manage to do an excellent job, but too many fail to ensure that even basic care is provided. And it's the elderly patients who suffer. Busy ward staff don't consider helping an elderly person to eat a priority, and so 6 out of 10 older people are at risk of becoming malnourished while in a hospital. Now, when I've been in hospitals, and it hasn't been very often, thank goodness, or visiting people in hospitals, it's usually the food that you know, is fairly well received. Uh, food in hospitals around here is is decent. In fact, uh, my grandmother used to go to the hospital when she was healthy to eat just because the food was so good down <laughs> in Florida. And they're saying here that in the uh, the case of the, the the government hospitals there, that they're, uh, they're not doing a very good job with the whole feeding people thing. You know, one of the most basic, necessary forms of getting keeping, from day to day. And keeping people healthy. Right. Uh, so there was an older lady that she had encountered uh, that was lying on a stretcher. Apparently, uh, she was kind of getting ignored to some extent and had been given a blanket at one point every time she turned over, however... It had fallen on the floor. Uh, The story says that she had not been given anything to eat. She had arrived at 10.30 p.m. the previous evening. It was now lunchtime the following day. The older lady said that she had not been given anything to eat and she had not yet had a wash either. So, busy ward staff don't consider helping an elderly person to eat as a priority. Patients complain to me all the time about the food. In one ward, I saw an old man wearing an oxygen mask and sitting in bed staring disconsolately at a washbowl sitting on a bedside table covered in detritus. Next to the washbowl lay his uneaten breakfast. A nurse, who should have helped him to wash and eat, had simply abandoned him. Indeed, many of the nurses I saw seemed indifferent or helpless, and the fact that so many of our elderly are going hungry on our wards unnoticed is an appalling indictment of the NHS and its attitude toward the old. No one is asking that old people should get privileged treatment, but they should get their fair share of resources and care. As the case of Staffordshire General Hospital shows all too graphically, this simply is not happening.
3: Especially since they've been paying into it
0: their whole life. Yep. 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Oh, but don't worry. They'll get it right here in America when the government takes care of uh, the, the health care system here because Americans are compassionate, unlike those red coats. We do socialism right in America. All right. 800 259 9231. It's scary stuff. More coming up. Hour two's on the
7: way. Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out, up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Free Talk
0: Live. You can bring up what you want. We are launching into the second hour of the program. Tonight, it's Ian with
3: you. And Wayne.
0: And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And we will take your phone calls about anything, 800 259 9231 is the number though otherwise we'll bring up things that are interesting to us.
2: Uh, Mark, what do you have tonight to discuss? Well, I, it there's it apparently the, uh, the the police in you know near Chicago are trying to make sure that uh, people are putting in, well, correct complaints against their police officers. Do explain what you mean by that. (laughs) The city plans to prosecute citizens, and I believe this is Chicago. Um, The city plans to prosecute citizens suspected of lying about police misconduct. Hmm. Authorities said Thursday, in 2004, the city started requiring citizens to sign an affidavit before they could file a complaint against an officer. But the city did not go after people who lied on their affidavits, fearing that it would scare off legitimate complaints. In August, the Independent Police Review Authority, which investigates police misconduct, started examining a handful of citizen complaints investigators believed were false, said uh, Ileon, the head of the agency. (laughs) None um, none has uh, been forwarded yet to the city law department, which would prosecute the cases under the false statements ordinance, the the ordinance carries fines of five hundred to a thousand dollars plus three times the amount of damages sustained by the city because of the false complaint. Um, so apparently, whatever money they spend on bureaucrats to investigate these things, they they charge the person who swa- swears to the affidavit. Hmm. Now, can you imagine somebody swearing to an affidavit and it was false? I mean, it just it just seems odd to me um, that, that people would do that. I don't know. This Hmm. seems more like a tactic to uh, stop people from complaining against officers.
0: It does seem that way, but at the same time, I can kind of understand that you don't want people to be wasting uh, resources necessarily on uh, stuff they've made up.
3: Sure, that's true, but sometimes police also uh, file false charges against citizens,
2: too. Yeah, and there's no punishment for them for that. that... Well, what are the um, what? What's the the likelihood that uh, a police officer is going to be found guilty of whatever it is that they're investigating anyway? Not very likely. Okay, so everything that they find that they're not guilty of, they could just call false and then go after the people that filed them. And then how many people are going to file complaints after that? Great point. So I mean, it's that's it. One of the ways that investigators are debunking complaints against police is by checking tracking devices and squad cars to see if the officers were where the citizen claimed. The law department is also taking a more aggressive stance in defending lawsuits against officers, not automatically setting small-value cases. That strategy was also launched in August. Is it possible that you got the number wrong on the police, on the squad car that you're reporting or yeah, whatever? possible. You know, uh, any, uh, any variety of things can happen that could cause it to, to be, oh, this officer wasn't there. Sorry, you're going to get charged. What? <laughs> You know, yeah, that's a good point. I got the police squad number wrong. I got the how many officers do you have named Smith? I don't know. So, what you're saying is that this is basically
0: going to intimidate people even further into not filing a complaint.
2: Well, filing complaints is already an extraordinarily intimidating
0: process. Absolutely, and that's where I wanted that's what I wanted to point out here is that We've seen footage uh, from the Police Complaint Center, which is a great little organization. I highly recommend. Their website's always kind of been a mess, but I think they've redesigned it recently within the last year, so it may be worth taking a look at. Police Complaint Center is a, a an organization that was founded by Diop Kamau. And I don't know. I think I am pronouncing his name correctly there. But, uh, Diop, All you can do is try with that one. Uh, he is a former police officer, and he knows how corrupt uh, the police can be, and so he formed the Police Complaint Center to allow people to bring complaints to them and then have the Police Complaint Center follow up on the on those leads uh, because, well, Diop Kamau isn't as likely to back down from a conflict as the average person might be when they're going in to try to file a complaint. And one of the things that they do is they are hired out by news agencies. So, you know, Channel 8 Investigates uh, will hire Diop and the Police Complaint Center to come in and essentially evaluate the local police department for various different things. So one of the things they did down in Florida and they've done this I think in other places across the country. But what they'll do is they will send in a guy with undercover camera and he'll go into police departments and they'll go into several. They'll go into different departments in different uh, towns and cities. And they were testing down in Florida to see what's it like if you want to file a complaint. What is how are you treated? If you have a complaint, I mean, you would think that this is pretty serious. You you've got a complaint against a police officer; they did something that was was inappropriate. Uh, you'd think the police department would want to know about this. You'd think they would be taking this seriously. That they, sure,
2: they want only the best officers wearing their uniform, right? purportedly
0: I mean, they supposedly have this big process that the officers are supposed to go through in order to be approved as a police officer in the first place. So you'd think they would give a damn uh, about these complaints. Well. As it turns out, now I don't have the statistics in front of me because this, you know, just came up. But uh, at the Police Complaint Center, you can go and you can watch the news packages that came out of their uh, undercover operations. But it turns out that at, at uh, a significant, I believe, it was a majority of the police departments that they visited, the individual that was looking to file the complaint was intimidated they were essentially refused the option of just taking a complaint form and, and going home. Yeah, you can't in,
2: just take a complaint form and go home and fill it out in your own time or whatever right. so that you can get everything proper and in, right. They in, want to put pressure on you.
0: Correct, correct. And in many cases, the departments claimed they didn't even have a complaint form, that you would have to go and sit Sorry, down Sorry, no complaint with the, forms here. You'd have to go in a, into some room, into an interrogation chamber, basically, with a, a lieutenant or the sergeant on duty, and have them interrogate you about uh, the individual that you're you're complaining.
2: What you don't want to do that? Well, you must be, have something
0: to hide. Right, right. And 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 that was the attitude of a lot of the cops: is that uh, that that the guy that was coming to file the complaint anonymously basically was uh, was a troublemaker, and that uh, they would they would intimidate him and they threatened him with arrest. And in one case, they uh, they slammed him into, uh, one of the plexiglass areas that they have and they, they like pulled him and slammed him and, and, and
2: roughed him up. Uh, it was just absolutely awful. I think in one case they arrested him. I mean, yeah. Now this is, this is a guy who's gone in to get a complaint form. That's all he's done. He hasn't complained. And he, he didn't hasn't want to done give anything. his name. He right. didn't want to give his name. And, and they beat him up.
0: So uh so just to you know just to give you a little taste of what it's like already in and, and these are many you know smaller departments in in Florida as well as larger departments uh also but just to give you an idea of what it might already be like in Chicago to try to go and file a complaint against these police it's probably already an intimidating process and now they're basically adding intimidation they've already added intimidation by f- having somebody sign a sworn affidavit Threatening them essentially with uh, some sort of consequences if they're found to have been lying. Now they're actually looking at going after them if they believe that they're lying. But if you file a complaint against somebody, if you file a complaint against a police officer saying that officer so-and-so roughed me up, but you don't actually have any proof of that, then does that mean that you're a liar? I mean, well, they determine that you're a liar because officer so-and-so disagrees with your complaint, and there's no video or audio of the event happening, and so therefore, well, we believe that you're just harassing the officer, and so we're going to charge you with filing false a false claim? Yeah. I mean, what what kind of level of uh, – what kind of onus of criteria will they put on this?
3: Well, on somebody, if somebody's roughed up, there might be some physical evidence you can take photos of after. But it's still difficult if you don't have video.
0: Right, because then how do you prove it was the officer, and et cetera, et cetera. Not to
2: mention that they do uh, like to keep you in jail for the amount of time that it takes you to heal up. I mean, that's a it's a common yes. practice. So uh, is there more to the story, Mark? You said that was that was, that, it, was right? that was it.
0: So now they're intimidating people even further. Because if you were to go in and file a complaint, it's very unlikely that anything would ever come of it in the first place. Because, as we pointed out so many times, the thin blue line, this brotherhood, as they call it, the police, they stick together and they protect their own. So even if you do have evidence in many cases, it's overlooked, it's ignored, it's brushed aside. Uh, if And if you don't have evidence, then it, you're not going to get anything out of your complaint process. And it's just going large... to go into their file and that's going to be that.
2: By and large, when these citizen uh, groups that they have out there to to investigate the police, it seems like they just you know they they take the police's word over everyone else's, and that's just what they do. Well,
0: it's not the citizen groups; it's the uh, the police investigations.
2: They, they, the, well, the, but the, these this one in this case, um, there's still the, those the citizens groups don't do seem to rubber stamp these things. I think that they're a better idea. I'm for them over just police investigators. However, you know, police investigators that that work in the same offices as these guys, it's crazy.
0: Toll-free number tonight, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. Since we're on the police as a topic here, what happens when your house is burning down and you go to the police for help? You'd think they would jump in and help you, right? Well, the well, fire we're...
3: department's supposed to do that, right?
0: Yeah, but the police were there. Maybe they could have done something. Free Talk Live.
6: Register now for the Republican Liberty Caucus of New Hampshire's Liberty in 2010 reception. Dr. Thomas Woods, the New York Times best-selling author of Meltdown, will be explaining the economic crisis and the role of the Federal Reserve. Successful investment fund manager Larry Lapard will share his perspective on the Meltdown, including advice on how to protect your investments. Proceeds will be used to help pro-Liberty Republican candidates win their primaries in 2010. Register at NHRLiberty.org. That's NHRLiberty.org. This is Free Talk
0: Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so
2: enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Take the startpage.com seven-day challenge. For seven days, use startpage.com instead of your big brother search engine and experience the difference. You'll get search results aggregated from 12 major search engines, and unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy inside of your search. Start the seven-day challenge today at StartPage.com. I've been using it. I think it's great at StartPage.com.
0: All right, 800-259-9231. All right, let's continue with your phone calls here, and then we'll talk about the fire department, or rather the police department, and how they responded to a fire. Uh, Clayton in Florida, you're on Free Talk Live the N Wayne, and Mark. Hello, Clayton. Clayton, you are on the air, going once. Clayton, going twice. I hear something out there in the background. Anybody there going once, twice? All right, let's put him back on hold. Maybe he'll come back later. 1-800-259-9231. The, uh, the story is from LewRockwell.com's William Norman Grigg. And it's uh, it's about what happens when you look to the, uh, the the police to respond to a fire. Now, I understand. it's It's not their job to put out a fire, no doubt about that. But as fire erupted in his family's home in Kent, Ohio, 19-year-old Michael Mikey Bartlett Jr. suffered two sets of injuries, both of them avoidable. His, his ear, hand, uh, excuse me, head, back, and arm were burned as a result of his efforts to get his friends and family to safety. Once outside, Mikey suffered electroshock torture at the hands of armed tax feeders who were otherwise content to stand in subsidized stupefaction and watch the fire without bestirring themselves to help the victims. Shannon, Mikey's sister, had left the house before fire erupted. Seeing the house on flames and a knot of police simply standing around collecting overtime, Shannon approached Sergeant Ed Wheeler and asked, Can you guys help? Yes, ma'am, replied Sergeant Wheeler, dutifully springing into action at risk to life and limb. Well, perhaps that version took place in some alternative reality. Back in this dimension, Wheeler's behavior was just what we'd expect from a tax-fattened bully. He laughed in my face recounted Shannon, calling her an obscene name and then grousing, what the expletive do you think we're going to do? At some point, Mike Mikey got crosswise with the donut feeders who treated him to a dose of electroshock torture, then handcuffed him and charged him with misconduct at an emergency and resisting arrest, <laughs> both of which are cover charges for his real offense, which was contempt of cop, or perhaps in this case, making the armed government drones look bad by actually doing something to help people in trouble. Mikey was confined to the Kent Jail for nine hours before being arraigned, then detained an additional two and a half hours before being permitted to get treatment at the Robinson Memorial Hospital in Ravina for his burn injuries. Mikey's dad, Michael Sr., says that although he's disgusted by the behavior of Kent's finest during that emergency, he believes that the world would be a worse place without
2: police officers. Who well, asked him that question? The newspaper, I presume. That uh, seems like a strange question. Did the interview? I'm surprised that anyone would even asked that question. So
0: just kind of an example of uh, how helpful uh, the police. They're really looking to protect and serve, aren't they? Just always jump into their their feet to assist the citizenry with whatever the situation might be. Yeah, it's great. One eight hundred shocking story. Two five nine ninety two thirty one. So if you don't like it, well, too bad. If you don't like what the police are doing with your money, then
3: too bad. You've got to keep paying anyway. You know, it seems to me that if you look at all the lawyers, for example, in this country, they come out of their schools and they have to find something to do, so they sue people. Mm -hmm. Well, the whole war on drugs that really started to go in full force in the 80s, uh, may, caused a lot of cities and towns to hire more police maybe than they needed to just be police, to be peace officers. So, again, they have to find something to do. It's it's like the child that uh, that hits the hammer on everything. So um, maybe the answer is just to have fewer police officers per capita That'd and have nice. them focus on real crimes. That's
0: a great answer, Wayne, but how do you get from here to there is, uh, is in the next question, right? I mean, you'd have budget, to take over the system. Budget crises
3: like they're having now is going to cause a lot of that to happen, I think
0: well that's that's true and the the budget crises and to some extent have been assisted by the federal government coming in with their handouts though once the dollar starts to crash in value that'll make things much more difficult for them
3: yeah unfortunately and, and there will be probably more of a need for a police officers or or some kind of self defense service in that situation because a lot of people are going to become desperate
0: you know this story reminds me uh, to a much lesser extent of it, of a story that happened here in Keene New Hampshire uh, where we're doing the show from there was a uh, there was a 420 celebration going on on a by the way it's happening on a daily basis uh, people are smoking pot in Central square and Keene uh, every single day it's also happening in Manchester by the way but uh, in some of the early iterations of the celebration there was one wherein a, a person had broken down it was it was very early because the police were still at the celebration it was one of the first ones and right now the police are not coming and the police have not come out ...for a long time. They only came out one day in the last month, and that was for the the Pumpkin Fest.
2: Their car broke down.
0: But yeah, what happened... Well, it wasn't the police's car. The police were standing there uh, in the circle... The activists and the protesters, or the cannabis celebrators, were there in the circle doing their thing. And then there was a uh, like a little SUV, jeep-looking thing that had broken down in the left lane of this big intersection. I mean, this is one of the premier intersections in Keene. It's the center of downtown. It's uh, It's a circle. A round a big roundabout, and there are five spokes, if you will. So there are five possible ways that that you can go from the center of it. It's fairly big, and so one guy had broken down right in the middle of the, pretty much right in the middle of the intersection. Uh, he hadn't quite pulled out yet, but he was in the left turn lane of, or one in the left lane of one of the uh, the intersections, and the police were just standing there, dumbfounded. Uh, one of them did manage to think to radio into headquarters to ask if he could. He had to ask. Just goes to show how centrally uh, micromanaged and controlled these people are. They can't apparently just act on their own volition uh, in many cases. they, If they've been assigned to watch the pot smokers at Central Square, apparently that means they can't do anything else unless they ask whoever it was that was in charge at the time if they can help out. So the officer did have it have it in mind to assist the guy that had been down, uh, broken down. And to me, that seems like something a police officer should be doing. I mean, I feel like when I see a, a police officer on the side of the road assisting an old lady changing her tire, which I have seen that happen here in New Hampshire, I feel like, wow, there's a cop doing something that I wouldn't mind supporting. That's something that I, I would not mind getting behind. I, I support the police actually providing a level of service to people like that. I like seeing stuff like that in well, that, this case
3: That's protecting and serving.
0: I absolutely agree with that. In this case the officer was cognizant enough to the point where he wanted to go and assist the motorist who had broken down but he had to to radio in and we actually have the radio traffic of this of him radioing to the the central uh, department saying that you know I've got a breakdown would like you know requesting permission to go over there and do something about it. But before they had the opportunity to actually do something or to get the permission they were looking for to assist with this guy, to literally walk 50 feet across the road, that's how far away they were. They could have walked 50 feet over and done something to help, but instead they just stood there and watched and waited as they were waiting for a response from the department head. Now, in the meantime, about, I don't know, six, seven, eight activists ran over across the street, got behind this guy's car, and pushed him all the way around the traffic circle. They pushed him all the way around. They pushed him down the street. They helped this guy out when the police were just standing around. 1-800-259-9231. And you know what? We didn't have to pay a dime to get those activists to help that guy. They just did it on their own because they cared. You can take control of the airwaves, 800-259-9231, and bring up what you want. The War on Drugs is next, and your call's about anything.
2: On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Well, now we've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some very special rates on some of my favorite gold and silver pieces. If you've seen the Lakota Nation Silver Round from the Free Lakota Bank, you know it's one of the most beautiful pieces available today. And a really fun way of giving the Federal Reserve the middle finger. Free Talk Live listeners can get them for the absurdly low rate of $22.30. That's right, $22.30. Call 877-857-9938 or go to silver.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can at once. It's 877-857-9938, silver.freetalklive.com.
0: This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the sickle CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wade And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And the features include the wiki with over 2,000 pages created by listeners like you. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com and get interactive. You can edit virtually anything you see there, W i k i wikiwiki.freetalklive.com. Now, on the issue of the war on drugs, and it's one of my favorites, one of my uh, pet issues, I wish I didn't have to talk about it. I wish it would go away so that we could avoid, uh, so this country could avoid putting uh, 1.5 million uh, innocent people, people who've never harmed anybody, in jail cells. But it seems like the government people are insisting on continue to on uh, continuing to arrest more people as though they can arrest their way out of the so called drug problem. seems to me that all of the evidence points to the fact that that you'll never be able to arrest your way out, but nonetheless, they continue to try to and what happens as a result of all of this enforcement, as we pointed out earlier tonight, is whenever you've got a government program, it's very frequent that you'll see unintended consequences. Right? Whenever the government decides to do something, what ends up happening as a result of whatever the government decides to do is in many cases the opposite of their original intentions or just a failure of their original intentions. And in this case, another great example of how it is that the intentions didn't quite meet reality. The story is from the Associated Press, and that is that there's now a new formula for methamphetamine, two-liter soda bottle handfuls of uh, cold pills, and some noxious chemicals. Shake the bottle, and the volatile reaction produces one of the world's most addictive drugs. Now, only a few years ago, making meth required an elaborate lab with filthy containers simmering over open flames, cans of flammable liquids, and hundreds of pills. The process gave off foul odors, sometimes sparked explosions, and was so hard to conceal that dealers often cooked their drugs in rural areas. And that's why you see a, a you see signs like billboards against meth in more rural areas like Montana, for instance. There are lots of problems with, with meth making, uh, meth manufacturing up there.
3: Not to mention the fact that it makes the house toxic. No one can live in it after that. But now drug users are
0: making their own meth in small batches using a faster, cheaper, and much simpler method with ingredients that can be carried in a knapsack and mixed on the run. This shake-and-bake approach has become popular because it requires a relatively small number of pills containing the decongestant pseudoephedrine, an amount easily obtained under even the <laughs> toughest anti-meth laws.
2: Remember the laws that they passed in order to get ephedra out of uh, out of the people's hands? Well, pseudoephedra, worse. <laughs> Unintended consequences, people. And
0: remember what the the laws are in case you never, in case you in the last several years have not tried to purchase any products with pseudoephedrine in it. Typically what will happen is you will have to go to the pharmacy counter in order to get what it was what um, previously wasn't over-the-counter medicine in that you could just – used to be just throw it in your shopping cart, go to the checkout, and leave. Uh, now it's in many cases locked up because they have to get you to fill out government paperwork. They have to get your, uh, your license. They have to get your address information. They have to get you to sign off uh, a form essentially saying who you are and that you're buying this product and you're not going to use it to make meth. And they limit the amount of pseudoephedrine-based products that you can purchase in a one-month time frame. And if you are found to have been, for instance, going from Walgreens to Walmart to you know various different places and, and purchasing these products – so you can buy a whole bunch of them. Maybe you've got a, a problem with a cold or whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Their they've, sinuses. They have put people with allergies in jail over this crap. Right. And you want to stock up or maybe your whole family is sick. It doesn't matter what your reasons are. What matters to them is that if you cross the threshold, you're a criminal and they will come
3: after you. Yeah. Let's take a few steps back here. Why do people make crystal meth? I think the reason why they make it to is... to get that, high. Well, right to get high, but they also do it because there might not be an availability of a, of a drug they prefer, like maybe marijuana or something, and so they can make their own through common, commonly available, innocuous things like Sudafed or whatever. So, if something like marijuana were legal, would they still be making crystal meth, or would they just be smoking pot? That's my That's question. Good question.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's hard to say as to what would happen, but we can uh, we can speculate that in fact it's that. Crystal meth was created while the drug war was going on, so it is sort of a result of the drug war.
3: And during alcohol prohibition, uh, most of the alcohol that was available on the black market was the really strong, powerful stuff because uh, it was less risky to produce things very concentrated and strong. Easier to transport. And easy to transport, Exactly. So you're
0: right about that. The reasons for for instance, creation of crack cocaine and methamphetamine is essentially the fact that other drugs have been prohibited, mm-hmm. uh, and it makes it, it just, it's just a more profitable product for them to, uh, to market. But we're here now, right? We've got it; it exists. People are using it, and so the government is trying to crack down even further to prevent people from using it. And their intentions might be good in that yeah, meth probably isn't a, a great thing to get uh, get hooked on. I mean, I've seen the pictures; I've seen the uh, the wasting away that happens to people that uh, that get hooked on meth. It's an awful, dangerous uh, drug, no doubt about that. But putting somebody in a jail cell for the you know for ten years is not. Going also, to help awful and dangerous. Yeah, it's it's not going to help them with their problem. And so what they're doing now is they're putting people in jail who haven't even ever tried meth. They've just bought too much uh, pseudoephedrine. They're, they're going after people like that. But the, the, the point of this story is to show that the intentions or the consequences of the original intentions are not what they had originally intended. So the consequences are that by prohibiting the purchase of large amounts of pseudoephedrine-based products, they've essentially encouraged innovation in the black market they've now innovated the black marketeers have now innovated this new shake-and-bake approach to making man, uh, manufacturing methamphetamine that doesn't require as much pseudoephedrine and in fact it even requires uh less clutter less uh, other stuff that is uh, is necessary you don't need as much uh, of a lab sort of environment now. new crank faster and easier And cheaper! Right, even the users themselves can now make their own crank, basically. You don't have to be as uh, much of a chemist, though, that said, it's still a dangerous process, as
2: the article Oh, I'm sure uh, that a few of them will blow up before it's all over.
0: Right, Uh, so now they don't need as much pseudoephedrine. Mark Woodward, the spokes bureaucrat for the Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics... And Dangerous drugs says that somebody somewhere said, wait, this requires a lot less pseudoephedrine and I can fly under the radar. An Associated Press review of lab seizures and interviews with state and federal enforcement agents found that the new method is rapidly spreading across the nation's midsection and is contributing to a spike in the number of meth cases after years of declining arrests. The new formula does away with the clutter of typical meth labs and it can turn the backseat of a car or bathroom stall into a makeshift drug factory. Some addicts have even made the drug while driving. The pills are crushed, combined with some common household chemicals, and then shaken in a soda bottle. No flame is required. Using the new formula, batches of meth are much smaller, but just as dangerous as the old system, which sometimes produces powerful explosions, touches off intense fires, and releases drug ingredients that must be handled as toxic waste. One of the uh, sergeants from the uh, Missouri Highway State Patrol says if there is any oxygen at all in the bottle, it has a propensity to make a giant fireball. You're not dealing with rocket scientists here anyway. If they get (laughs) unlucky at all, they can have a very devastating reaction. One little mistake, such as unscrewing the bottle cap too fast, can result in a huge blast, say police. Oklahoma and other states have linked dozens of flash fires this year, some of them fatal to meth manufacturing. Every meth recipe is dangerous, but in this one, if you don't shake it just right, you can build up too much pressure and the container can pop. When fire broke out in older labs, it was usually on a stove in a back room or garage, and people would just run. But when these things pop, you'll see more extreme burns because they're holding it. There are more fires and more burns because of the close proximity, whether it's on a couch or driving down the road. After the chemical reaction, what's left is a crystalline powder that users smoke, snort, or inject. They often discard the bottle, which now contains a poisonous brown and white sludge. Dozens of uh, reports describe toxic bottles strewn across highways and rural roads and states with the worst meth problems. The do-it-yourself method creates just enough meth for a few hits, allowing users to make their own doses instead of buying mass-produced drugs from a dealer. It's simplified the process so much that everybody's making their own dope, said Kevin Williams, sheriff of Marion County, Alabama. It can be your next-door neighbor doing it. It can be one of your family members living downstairs in the basement. A typical meth lab would normally take days to generate a full-size batch of meth, which would require a heat source and dozens, maybe hundreds of boxes of cold pills. But because the new method uses far less pseudo- pseudoephedrine, small-time users are able to make the drug in spite of the federal law that bars customers from buying more than 9 grams of it. There's more to the story here in Moments 800 9231 A great example here, a sad example of unintended consequences. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher-quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, we would love to have you become an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money in and reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations around the country, bring more Internet listeners on board, expose new people to the ideas of freedom. If that sounds good to you and you want to get perks like access to the Amp Only call-in lines, chat room, forum, uh, the Amp Only podcast and more, go and get all the details and get signed up at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com.
2: Now is the time that you and your family need to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides just such training without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. Secure a Front Sight defensive handgun course today, plus the corresponding 30-state concealed weapon permit, and get a free handgun. That's right. They give away a Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Go to FrontSight.com today. That's FrontSight.com.
0: All right, 800-259-9231. We're sharing with you a story from the Associated Press about the unintended consequences, and who would have thought? Who would have thought that there would be unintended consequences from this? But the pseudoephedrine crackdown that has been happening in recent years—there uh, was a law passed at the, the federal level, and I believe, yeah, it was 2005, uh, wherein federal government and dozens of states adopted restrictions on pseudoephedrine. Now, this is a product that appears in sinus—I believe it's sinus oh, yeah. medication, cold medicines, things. I think it's sinus and cold medicines. But you could used to be able to just walk into Walgreens or your local drugstore and just buy this stuff. Buy as much as you wanted. Um, no problem. And then they decided that, well, because pseudoephedrine can be used in meth production, though point of information, the most serious meth manufacturers out there will find alternative methods of manufacturing meth that don't involve pseudoephedrine. So this was really for you know more of the amateur operators, It's as I understand it. Uh, but uh, but anyway, they decided to make it very difficult to get your hands on this product. They restricted the uh, people's access to it. You have to fill out uh, a form. You have to provide government identification. And if you buy too much within a certain time frame, the DEA will come after you. And so as a result of that, the number of lab busts they claim fell dramatically. But what they didn't realize was that was because the manufacturing just went in a different direction. They just changed how they manufactured the drug. And it's because you can't stop supply and demand. It doesn't matter what laws you pass. It doesn't matter how restrictive you get. There will always be people that want to get high on very hard drugs like methamphetamine. And they are willing to purchase them those drugs at a, a, a dramatically inflated price, which is what the what prohibition does. It inflates prices and makes things more dangerous. And because the people are still willing to buy it, that means there will be people who are willing to take risk to life and limb in order to manufacture it and make a tremendous profit. Because of all you have to do is go buy a bunch of cold medicine and some uh, some household chemicals, and then you can increase the price of the finalized product by you know a thousand to uh, fifteen thousand percent. I don't know what the markup is on. It's on incredible, that. But whatever ma- it is. Right, if you're huge. manufacturing it and selling it, then you're making quite a bit of money. Whereas if you're just but a middleman you're just marking they, it. Up they
2: once. pretty much cut this out now. I mean if somebody with a two liter bottle and some uh, some cold pills can make their the, the, the drugs that they want to use then the, the dealers, to some extent, cut out.
0: Well, right, and that's what's happening, is essentially the new method uses less pseudoephedrine, so therefore small-time users are able to make the drug despite whatever the federal law says. The total number of clandestine meth lab incidents reported to the DEA fell from almost 17,400 in 2003 to just 7,347 in 2006, But the number of busts has begun to climb again, and authorities blame the shake-and-bake method for renewing meth activity. The AP review of 14 states found that at least 10 states reported increases in meth lab seizures or meth-related arrests from 2007 to 2008. The Mississippi State Crime Lab participated in 457 meth incidents through May 31st of this year, up from 122 for the same period a year ago, a nearly 275% increase. Several states, such as Oklahoma and Tennessee, are on pace this year to double the number of labs busted in 2008. The director of Tennessee's meth task force said the uh, the pace of lab busts in his state is projected to be about 1,300 for 2009 compared with 8,15 for all of 2008. So sounds like word has spread about this new method and people are utilizing it.
2: Well, I mean one of the one of the things that uh you know that, that that enters into the equation I believe um is the cost and uh you know people that that wouldn't otherwise be able to pay for this stuff. I don't know what it costs for a hit a crank. I don't know, but uh it would seem like it's a heck of a lot cheaper now. Some
0: states lack a central database to monitor cold medicine sales, so meth cooks circumvent state laws by pill shopping in multiple cities and states, a practice known as smurfing that allows them to stay under restrictions placed on sales. Tracy Fruit, a special agent with the Kansas Bureau of Investigation, said law enforcement officials are becoming increasingly frustrated. That there's no way to tell who is buying what unless we go from store to store to store and pull up our uh, ourselves and pull up the records. Historically, rural states like Oklahoma, Missouri and Kansas have been hotbeds for meth use because an important ingredient in the traditional method... Anhydrous ammonia was easily available from tanks on farms where it's used as a fertilizer. But the new formula doesn't need anhydrous ammonia and instead uses ammonium nitrate, a compound easily found in instant cold packs that can be purchased at any drugstore. Data from the Justice Department and the DEA data suggest the method could only be in its early stages and that Shake and Bake labs have been recently discovered as far north as Indiana and as far east as West Virginia. Uh, while many law enforcement agencies are just learning how to spot the new labs other states are rushing to close loopholes in limiting the sale of meth ingredients a mississippi senator said that state's law forces buyers to show identification and make stores keep a log of cold medicine sales but the problem in mississippi is a lack of technology to instantly log purchases in a central database you don't you have to understand that going you have to understand that going in that drugs are an evolutionary process said a former police detective and narcotics officer That the day after we pass the law, they're going to look for ways to circumvent that. Gee, you think? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 800-259-9231. And so, pass another law! Crack down even further. Make it so, pseudoephedrine is also a prohibited product. How about that? That'll solve this problem, because they're still using pseudoephedrine in the shake-and-bake method. So if we make it so that nobody can buy pseudoephedrine-based products around the country, then that'll solve it. Meth will go away,
2: right? Yeah, right. Right, Mark? No, no. No. I, you know, I mean. It, well, wait, but we could ban pseudoephedrine. I suppose you could. And then what? That's Something it. else is going to happen. No way. Meth will be done. <laughs> right. Because mm-hmm. um, drugs have stopped at any point from any of the, I mean, tell me one time when drugs have stopped as opposed to a law, you know, because of a law. Um, I think that really what one needs to start with here is I don't think that doing uh, crank is a really good idea. However, I do think that you own your body. And you get to decide what you do with it. And if any of your actions result in harm to someone else, you are responsible. So if you decide to do crank, fine and dandy. If you decide to do crank and get in a car and get into a wreck and hurt somebody, you're responsible. And as far as I'm concerned, you should be enslaved with a shackle around your neck until you can pay off whatever it is that you've damaged on someone else's property.
0: And I imagine that what we're going to see happen is some new level of restriction. As they're talking about, they want to make it so they're, they've got a centralized database now. Apparently, they don't have that in some states, so they're going to change the law there. And it's it seems like it's going to be inevitable that somebody's going to propose and say, well, you know, all you people with sinus problems, you're not so important. We not- really need to stop uh, these uh, meth users. And so... Ah uh, well, just suffer through your sinus symptoms in the name of the war on drugs.
2: And some people really do need these. It's amazing uh, to to find out. I I I don't live like this. I don't have to have pseudoephedrine to live. But some people, their sinuses are just that bad. And really, is that? Do we want to subject these people? Usually, by the way, it's hereditary. So it tends to be that a family needs uh, you know a bunch of pseudoephedrine um, pseudoephedrine and. Therefore, you'll find that the person who does the shopping tends to, you know, be the one who's most likely to overshop this particular drug and get in trouble d- for doing it. Maybe
0: maybe what you could do is you could make it so that pseudoephedrine sales are restricted only to uh people that are approved for use. Maybe maybe pseudoephedrine could be a prescription product now. No, That'll be great. stop it. That'll that it just crack down even further, right? Oh wait. When you crack down even further, it just it's like you know, things slipping through the cracks in your fingers. They will inevitably get what they want. These yeah. people who are manufacturing methamphetamine will find a way to get the ingredients they want, whether it's extracting. Uh, I forget what the exact process was, but remember when we once talked that uh, Ma Wong, the uh, natural uh, product, is is one way that you can create uh, meth. I don't know if it, if if you create ephedrine from it or what comes out of ma Wong, but there's there's a way to just kind of import ma Wong and and turn that down the line into into meth. They're so gonna do it. You They'll know. You find can't alternative stop them. ways, or they'll just start manufacturing pseudoephedrine on the uh, the black market or whatever. The black market will find a way to provide its customers with the product it's looking for. If they have to charge more, they will. is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. Hour 3
2: is coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Have you heard of the millionaire patriot? You should. He has a free handgun and five days of firearms training waiting for you. That's right. You can attend five days of world-class gun training at Front Sight Firearms Training Institute and secure a 30-state concealed weapon permit, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Now is the time you and your family need to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides such training without out any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. And the Millionaire Patriot is paying his own money to help you get it. This is real. Thousands have already taken advantage of it and you should too. Don't miss out. Secure a Front site defensive handgun course plus 30 state concealed weapon permit for pennies on the dollar. And get your free handgun. Go to frontsite.com today. That's F-R-O-N-T S-I-G-H-T dot com. Go to frontsite.com for your training and free handgun. This is Free Talk Live, and
0: we're launching into the third hour of the show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line tonight.
3: It's Ian with you. And (coughs) Wayne. (laughs) And Mark. (laughs) An almond in my throat.
0: You can join us on our website at (laughs) freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Copyright is coming up on the, the discussion uh docket, but first, we go to Dave. Uh, yes, Dave is in Montana. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dave.
8: Hey, guys.
0: Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, Dave.
8: Hey, I think uh, a big chunk of the meth use could be knocked out because, uh, you know, the, the legalization of drugs. This is, the meth is a product of the drug war, mm-hmm. I think. You know, the great use of it a majority of the use of the speed is people wanting a stimulant so that they could do three jobs, four jobs. If mm-hmm. Those people could purchase a safe stimulant. I think a lot of the use of speed or the illegal, you know, the dangerous
1: chemical stuff wouldn't be used.
0: Okay. Think? I think you might be right about that. I think that, uh... That's kind of what Wayne was saying earlier tonight is that if people could get their hands on other less dangerous drugs in a, on a legal basis, perhaps they, uh, they wouldn't be interested right. in using that. They,
8: they could get nomenclature with it. They'll know how to use it, how much to use, you know, because a lot of people are doing three or four jobs and it's, you know, like. You know, they got to, to maintain their thing, you know.
0: But, but that said, I have known people who have used meths uh, safely, that they haven't been uh, addicted to it and they haven't had their lives ruined by it. So I think it just all depends on the individual and, you know, what their usage patterns well, if, are. And if the their drug habits.
8: war wasn't on, there would probably be a safer meth.
0: Good know? point. I think you're right about that, Dave. Any other thoughts?
8: Uh, the meth was invented by the Nazis. Is that true? Nazi drug. I don't think uh, people should be using it, really, because they turn into like a Nazi.
0: Interesting. You. Uh, you know, I didn't know that, Dave. Thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. According, indeed, according to world, uh, according rather to the Wikipedia, one of the earliest uses of meth. that wasn't invented by the Nazis. It was actually first synthesized from ephedrine in Japan in nineteen, excuse me, eighteen ninety three by a chemist. In nineteen nineteen, crystallized methamphetamine was synthesized by Akira Ogata. The reduction of ephedrine using red phosphorus and iodine. World War II, however, one of the earliest uses of methamphetamine was when it was used by various Allied and Axis forces, so on both sides. The German military dispensed it under the trade name Pervitlin. It was widely distributed across rank and division from elite forces to tank crews and aircraft personnel. Chocolates dosed with methamphetamine, uh, known as airman's chocolate, when given to pilots, or tank chocolate when given to tank crews. So... Interesting. We'll continue here, though. George is on the line in Texas. George, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there, George. How you doing, gentlemen? Hey, you're on the air. What's on your mind tonight?
9: You know, the thing is, um, you're talking about the police. Uh, I lived in Florida for many years, and I can tell you one thing: I filed a police complaint, and uh, you know, next thing you know, I'm getting a ticket for something mm. after leaving the
0: police station. As you were leaving the police station?
9: Ah, uh, not even a mile down the road.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. I believe it. It's, they've been known to target people who've uh, decided to take issue with them. Mm-hmm. Did you want to tell us more about your
3: story, or was that it?
9: Well, yeah, that's about it. But you know, the thing is, uh, about uh, my dad was a retired police officer. Mm-hmm. And uh, he worked out in Miami, and he retired in disgust for the reason is, uh, when they started these asset forfeitures laws in the name of the war on drugs, Mm-hmm. And, you know, he knew people all, all their lives, who worked hard all their lives, getting all their property, their bank accounts, their houses, their cars, their boats, taken from them without, without no due process of law. That's right. And for traces of cocaine on money, they did just withdraw from the bank.
0: In fact, I think studies have shown that like 90 percent of the dollars in circulation have traces of cocaine on them or something absurd like that.
3: It's amazing. And many people say the stock market would, would really crash hard if narco dollars weren't being laundered through the banking system. George,
0: thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. A little bit more on the uh, the history of methamphetamines as we've been talking uh, in the last hour about how it is that the government's prohibition are, or semi-prohibition, if you will, more restricted uh, rules that are surrounding the purchase of pseudoephedrine have resulted in a more um, – Widespread shake-and-bake style manufacturing process that is less complicated but still dangerous uh, to produce methamphetamine. Uh, it was that was the story we were discussing here. But according to Wikipedia, just kind of a little more history. Uh, the story is that indeed in World War II, it was given out by, uh, by both the Axis and the Allied. Um, Also, according to the story, from 1942 until his death in 1945, Hitler may have been given intravenous injections of methamphetamine by his personal physician. It's possible it was used to treat Hitler's speculated Parkinson's disease or that his Parkinson-like symptoms, which developed from 1940 onwards, resulted from using methamphetamine. After World War II, a large supply of amphetamine stockpiled by the Japanese military became available in Japan under the street name Shabu the japanese ministry of health banned it in 1951 since then it's been increasingly produced by the yakuza criminal organization which is how prohibition works yakuza when when you take a product out of the legal marketplace criminal gangs are then the, uh, become the suppliers mm. and if you want it look this is something we didn't touch on last hour when we were discussing the uh, the meth labs and how they're no longer uh, they no longer require a, a heat source this new shake-and-bake method, uh, all you need is like a two-liter soda bottle or something like that to shake the the uh, ingredients up. And if you don't shake it just right, there's a possibility it could explode and send ke- flaming chemicals all over you. Um, so it's kind of a nasty uh, process. But before that, it was also very dangerous, very toxic, uh, the way it was manufactured. It stunk. It was awful. And it, it, it essentially resulted in homes being burnt down and children dying in fires and things like that. You know, if meth were legal
2: it would be manufactured under the most controlled of conditions. Well, there are lots of things that are dangerous to manufacture, Yeah, but they're not illegal, so, right. so, so they're manufactured in safe uh, situations. So the, the, the marketplace
0: has an incentive to create the safest manufacturing uh, areas as possible because, number one... You want to protect your employees because, well, if your employees start dying on you, it's going to be hard to find more employees to come work for you without paying them through, you know, amounts that uh, jump through the roof. Um, and you know, you you want to be known as uh, producing a product in a in a safe way, as far as getting people to you know to come to work every single day. It's just you want to work if you're a worker in a more safe environment if you can choose that. And and the marketplace the incentives of competition create that. They create safer environments and new safety standards and things like that.
3: So and consistency in the product, too, yes. because a lot of people overdose because the drugs that they get being illegal are not consistent.
0: Exactly right, and that can uh, be very, very detrimental to people's health. Um, and and you're right. When you go and you buy aspirin off the shelf at the pharmacy, you know exactly what you're getting. On the back of the bottle, it tells you how many milligrams of whatever the you know acetaminophen or whatever is in it is in it, and it tells you how many to take to get whatever the desired effects are. And you know exactly what you're getting into. When it when it comes to methamphetamine or heroin or something else that's manufactured in the black market, it's a roll of the dice. You mm-hmm. you don't know what you're getting. So if these people that are the drug enforcers If their motivation is really to help people, uh, you know, the idea is to stop people from using drugs. And the purpose of that is to help them, right? Because they believe drugs are bad, and so stopping them from using drugs would help them. Isn't that the motivation here? Well, it's about money. Well, maybe it is about (laughs) money and power. But let's presume that you've got somebody that's actually motivated to help people. How about you come to the conclusion that they're going to use the drugs whether you like it or not? And then you can come to the conclusion as to how to help them with their problem or how to help them use the drug safer, how to reduce the amount of harm that the use of these narcotic substances is uh, is creating. How about that? Can we help them on that level instead of this insanity of trying to stop them from doing things that you think is bad? Because that hasn't worked. But if you were to legalize meth, if you were to legalize all of these drugs, then they would be manufactured under controlled conditions, which means that people would be given doses that are... Easily, easily identifiable as far as the amount of product that they're getting. They would be able to measure their doses. They would survive longer as a result of that. They wouldn't be frightened to go out and get assistance with quitting because a lot of uh, drug addicts are scared to death of actually going and looking for help because they're afraid they're going to be turned in and possibly have to go to jail. More coming up. You can bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live.
4: If you're paying more than $14.95 per month for DSL, you are paying way too much. It's time to make the switch to DSL Extreme, the nation's number one internet service provider. DSL Extreme is fast. And at $14.95 per month, it's cheaper than dial up. Plus, you get free spam protection, a free modem, and 24 hour a day free local tech support with no setup fees. Just for restrictions, blind. call 1 866 2 GetNet. That's 1 866 the number 2 GetNet. Or go to dslextreme.com.
0: This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wade. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on our site free, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, they're all there for you on the front page. Just click and download at freetalklive.com.
2: SACL CAI is the main sponsor of the show, and uh, the principal over there, Jason Osborne, it's a real stand for liberty. If uh, if you have a business or you know somebody who does, uh, perhaps uh, you can talk to them about uh, turning over their accounts receivable to SACL CAI. It, they didn't get into business to collect on bills, and SACL does it a heck of a lot better than anybody else can. SACL CAI.
0: 800-259-9231. We're just looking at some more methamphetamine stuff here uh, during the break. and Mar- Mark, you and I both noticed at the exact same time that, interestingly enough, Methamphetamine is actually available as a drug, like an actual pers- uh, prescription drug, purchasable prescription drug.
2: Well, so, you noticed it because you were uh, looking at the Wikipedia page. However, I just had somebody uh, IM me and tell me.
0: Yeah, the drug is called Desoxyn. It's a uh, it's methamphetamine. <laughs> that's that's what it is. Psychostimulant drug intended for medical usage in the treatment of ADHD, narcolepsy and for the short term treatment of exogenous obesity. Now, methamphetamine is currently a Schedule II substance in the Controlled Substances Act. I believe
2: it's the case that marijuana is a Schedule I, if I'm not mistaken about yeah. that. M- M- Schedule I essentially means uh, you know not legal. Schedule II means you can get it prescribed.
0: Exactly. So what they're saying is the DEA is saying that marijuana is more dangerous than methamphetamine. I think that's that it's, madness.
2: I think that it's well it's it's not mad, it's madness until you realize that hemp is more dangerous to <laughs> you know, the chemical companies and the uh, mm-hmm. you know, the timber the, forced, companies. Yeah, the timber companies and all these other companies that uh, you know make money because it's illegal. So it is more dangerous. It's just not dangerous in the way that you might think it is.
0: So what would be interesting is to see who it is that's manufacturing this disoxin product. And to actually, you know, take a tour of their facilities. What's, what's it like in a legitimate meth manufacturing facility? What is the, how, how safe are the facilities that manufacture disoxin as opposed to the facilities that are manufacturing the illegal version? Just curious. I'd, I'd love to see a little photo tour, a little a little comparison. Wouldn't that be interesting? That would be very interesting. I, I bet you'd likely see shiny countertops and uh, clean room situation at the desoxin manufacturing facility, whereas the black market manufacturing rooms are going to have just crap strewn everywhere and chemicals and dangerous uh, mixes and all kinds of just just, nothing good. Yeah, it would be a very interesting study in contrast. Let's go to your phone calls about what you want. Smokey is in Alberta. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Smokey.
10: Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? What's
0: on your mind, Smokey?
10: Um, I, just, I don't know if you guys are uh, familiar with uh, a couple new laws that they've decided to enact here in Canada. Now, I'm not too sure if it's Canada-wide or if it just happens to pertain to good old Alberta. Um, one is now they can stop you for any reason whatsoever on the road and give you a sobriety test. You don't have to have broken the law, speed, nothing whatsoever. They just pull you over and say, you get to take blow into this, sir, or come with us and take a blood test. Wow. The second one is even a little, even more uh, worse, is uh, the fact that they can now pull you over. And if they suspect that you are on drugs of any sort, they can demand a blood test. Now, they're not going going so far as to administer it themselves, but they will take you to the nearest clinic right then and there to get the blood test done. Mm. Now, if you refuse, well, prior to this new law, you would, uh, they, there wasn't really anything they could do. They'd hand you like a 24-hour suspension and say, okay, you can come pick up your car tomorrow. Now, if you refuse, it's an automatic three-month suspension.
2: Now, what happens – I'm just out out of curiosity here. I know when the police here pull pull you over, they want you to pull over immediately. So oftentimes they'll pull people over on bridges, um, interstates, all kinds of things like that, places where cars are sort of inconvenient. If the cop decides that you need to be taken to the clinic um, at that time, what are they going to do with your car?
10: Well, see, now – In all of Alberta, Alberta is a huge province, like, I don't know how many New Hampshires could fit into Alberta, and there's only about three million of us in this whole province.
0: Lots and lots of
10: them. Now, there's a, it's not near the traffic problems, we've got really wide roads, really wide shoulders, there's always, there's always cars, like, kinda got the sticker stuck on the side windows saying it's 24 hour suspension. And a lot of times the cop says, basically, if your car is moved before that time, when they get off work, they're kinda come looking for you and take you to the slam. So, it doesn't really affect the traffic too much like it's like there's not a lot of bottlenecks. We're pretty wide open here. Prairies, you know, okay. mountains to the one side, but mainly prairies. But uh, yeah, it's pretty wide open. Uh, the problem is, is I myself, I'm uh, uh, kind of in a night shift worker. I work my shift is four in the afternoon to four in the morning. When I go to leave work, uh, unfortunately, I leave, work in a big city of Calgary, but I uh, I live about 120 kilometers outside of Calgary, a little village, with 700 people. Kind of nice little place, but since I'm on the road and only criminals are on the road at that time of night type thing, <laughs> that I've been pulled over a couple times now so far, and it's it's just a joyous joyous time to deal with those gentlemen.
2: Sure, and you're tired yeah. too, so you oh know. hell yeah!
10: So my eyes, like uh, I'm a proofreader, so I spend 12 hours looking at a screen, reading legal type, and the small disclaimer type that you get on any of your flyers or mm-hmm. coupons or stuff. So my eyes are pretty much bloodshot and. Uh, Little slitty looking, and uh, so yeah, I've had my share of tests already. Wow, and mm-hmm. and unfortunately, well, fortunately, um, I don't partake until I get home. And I guess the test does somehow says that uh, whether or not uh, you have smoked uh, recently, or if it's been within the last, you know, if it's like a couple hours old type thing. So it's not like if they see you have drugs in your system. Like, you know, marijuana lasts 30 days in your system, but mm-hmm. if they uh, give you the test, they can tell if you've had it right away or if it's been a while since
0: really? you last took No, up. wait. What what kind of test is this again? Is, yeah, I'm not familiar with this. It's a blood test. Hmm. Wait, I thought that you could take a different test on the side of the road that wasn't a blood oh, test. Well, that's
10: for, that's for alcohol.
0: Okay, that's what I thought.
10: Yeah, Oh no, no. I've, I've gotten the full gambit. It's it's lots of fun. And exactly that. I, I have a little village of 700 people. The closest clinic to me is another 100 kilometers away that i have to turn so if Jeez. they catch me in my village and decide to give it to me i have to go with them for a couple hours to drive to the next nearest town that has a major clinic that they can actually do this so it's, this it's is for
0: anything thing. then so they can just decide oh, really so, they can
10: literally pull you over for anything if they if you look funny uh, you know oh geez there looks like a guy who would maybe partake in a little marijuana and they decide they want to take you in
0: for a test then you have to yeah. go with them and deal with this crap
10: yeah. Oh, exactly. This I mean, is, luckily, this is I crazy. I is have nailed coming to work at four o'clock in the afternoon, but I've been nailed at four o'clock in the morning leaving work. I'll tell you that. I don't wow. Know what I tell my bosses. Now, that's wait, is this all I, of I Canada
0: this... or just the province you're in?
10: Well, see, and that's where I'm not. I'm not 100% clear. I think one of the the alcohol one, uh, pulling you over for no reason whatsoever to give you a random alcohol test is countrywide. And the drug one might be Alberta or it could be vice versa or they could be both nationwide i'm not positive i just I
0: met a, a young lady over the weekend who was visiting here in new hampshire from canada and she was expressing frustration with the the whole immigration process and how difficult it is because she really wants to come down here and, and be part of the free state well, project
10: well i've called and said i've been interested in that and i was like you know wondering about areas to move to i don't know if you remember that call it was really quite
0: well you have about. all the more reason to do it i thank you for the call and i'm sorry to hear the news uh, wow outrageous that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. How long will it be before that one comes to the states? It's Free Talk Live.
5: Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the porcupine realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area. Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com.
0: This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. If you dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231, that's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those including the bulletin board system with over 500,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about, serious issues, fun stuff. You'll find it all free at bbs.freetalklive.com, bbs.freetalklive.com
2: and AudiblePodcast.com dot com offers over sixty thousand downloadable audio books there's all kinds of the new releases out there, most of them are unabridged. If you want abridged versions, there are abridged versions but uh you know th- these are not off brand uh, authors that you've never heard of before and or old books or anything like that, although they do have old books, you can get just about anything it's sixty thousand of them and you can go try one for free at audiblepodcast dot com slash f that's com slash ftl
0: let's continue with your phone calls about what you want gene the christian anarchist in tennessee you're on free talk live hey gene
11: hey uh guys i was just watching uh, uh philly uh the philadelphia campaign for liberty rally with a speech by judge napolitano and uh Is this new? Is this
0: something that just occurred recently, or is it old?
11: I think it probably happened a week or so, a couple weeks back. Okay, gotcha. Anyway, um, he was talking in there about how the uh, under the George Bush administration they passed the um, exceptional powers of the Justice Department to write their own warrants for anything they want to, and of course when the Bush administration was in office, they thought that was great because it gave them the authority to do all that. Mm-hmm. Well, now of course the Obama administration is in and they're using this authority to go around and write <coughs> search warrants for anything they want. So of they course don't they have are. to go to a judge anymore. Right. But he pointed out that they're able to use this to go in and search for your your medical records, your um your tax records, anything they want to see mm-hmm. even your library card uh you know which books you've checked out of the library, and afterwards, uh, they can't tell anyone that you were there. Right. But I was going to uh, uh, relate that to medical records because you know we're in the medical industry, and as my wife is a doctor, and we manage, I, I manage the practice, and we have medical records for probably thirty, thirty three hundred people, thirty three hundred patients. We have not yet gone to this electronic medical records, which is whatever you know, the big push is to get all these uh, doctors and hospitals and stuff on the electronic medical records system. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the main reasons, there's a, there's a cost factor, but the reason that I hate electronic medical records is because of privacy. Because once they have electronic medical records, they don't even have to bother filling out their bony baloney uh, non-search search warrant. All they have to do is um, everybody's computers would be linked into the government's uh, computers, and they would have a back door into every medical records, uh, every sure. medical office, and into every medical record through that office. So
3: it beyond goes beyond that, in, Gene. Yeah. The the medical thing is is really a Trojan horse because really what they love is to be able to have all your medical records, all your financial records, everything about you linked in one database.
11: And that's where this is going. Yes. Because, you know, the medical records will be linked, and through your CPAs, eventually all of your uh, tax information will be linked, all of your purchasing records will be linked. So... I guess what I'm saying is that for our part, we're definitely trying to hold off as long as we can.
3: Good for you. Thank you for
11: that. uh, On these medical records, because if somebody wants to get a copy of medical records from our office, they have to at least go through the process of filling out the proper forms, uh, contacting us, and then waiting for us to get around to copying them and mailing them off or Mm -hmm. faxing them, whichever the case may be. So it's not at least it's not instantaneous in when it's on paper. So I really like paper much better than electronic. And you know I've I've kind of been an electronic uh, you know a computer geek since the beginning. I started out with VIC 20s and Commodore 64s, and I I like to play with technology, sure. but I also fear the way technology can be used against us. And Absolutely, this is one one instance of that.
2: So um, can you say whether or not the government has asked you for these medical records that they've had to fill out their little fake search, search warrant for?
11: I can say that it's never happened to us, yeah. Okay. But uh, the um, at least certainly not to me. I suppose if somebody else in the office had been presented with one and they were under uh, uh, the threat of prosecution, if they told, I suppose, then I wouldn't even know about that. Like they, they could technically come to our front desk girl's throw her one of these things and say, show us these records or, and don't tell anybody about yeah. it, or you're going to go to prison.
0: You can't even tell your boss.
11: Yeah, you can't tell your wife, you can't tell your lawyer if they do this to you. It's that crazy.
0: It is crazy. So, I'm uh, totally with you on this, Gene.
11: So anyway, at least when it's on paper, they've got to go through the additional problem of copying it. <laughs> so keep everything on paper. Try not to make, go too electronic on, on too many things.
0: Thanks for the suggestions, and thanks for uh, standing up against the demands of the state in this case. Gene. Oh,
11: and one more thing. Yes, I feel sir. like a traitor because, you know, for 25 years I didn't pay income taxes, and now as an employee, uh, I mean employer, I have to snitch to the IRS on what all of our employees. What do you mean? Employees. Yeah, it makes me feel real good every time I ask them to fill out one of them stinking IRS
4: forms. Wait, well,
0: why do you have to? I mean, what what would happen if you just decided as an employer to say, I'm not going to do any withholding of any of any sort?
11: That's fine if we don't want to practice medicine anymore. We can do that oh. when we're tired of practicing medicine. We can take that stand.
0: So they'll come in, the feds will come in and, and take yank the license is what you're saying. Absolutely.
11: Wow. In a hot second.
0: Well, there you go. So, yep. you are enslaved uh, to that extent. That's, uh, that's, that's sad. Right. That is correct. Thanks, Gene, for the call tonight. I'm sorry to hear that. And I appreciate uh, that you're doing everything you can within the awful system that exists. 800 259 9231, that's the SACL CAI toll free line. What do you do in that case? You can't help people unless unless you bow down to the feds. You'll be arrested. If you try to give people uh, medical care without going through the established system, without getting your medical license, then you're a criminal if you're just trying to help people out without going through their system. And I think that you should be able to do that. I think you should be able to offer medical services without being a AMA-licensed practitioner. Well, Let the customers decide if they want to take that
2: risk. You can do that as long as you don't want to have an office. And, uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you want to slide sort of... It, you know through the shadows you could probably pull it off but a black market uh, yeah. doctor it, it they're going to make it very difficult on you i wonder i wonder
0: how it, let's presume that the government in the united states here does go through with government run healthcare and that there are no um, and that private uh, healthcare is completely outlawed as it is in canada are there black market doctors in canada there must do, do be some do they exist i mean i'm just curious uh, do any of our canadian listeners know if there is such a phenomenon i mean, because It doesn't seem likely because the government would be offering so-called free services. So it's not as though medical care is prohibited in Canada. It's just that certain types of medical care are not allowed uh, and that if you want to be a a doctor, you have to work within this this system. So it would seem that there's a, a chance that somebody could be a black market doctor up in Canada. I'm just curious. I've never heard about that. 800-259-9231, 800-259-9231, if you can answer that question or bring up anything. We go unscreened to the amp lines. Who's this? You're on the air on Free Talk Live.
11: Alex in New Hampshire.
0: Alex, what's on your mind tonight?
11: I was going to go to bed, and then I remembered that I promised I was going to call back. Um, all I wanted to do is I wanted to ask you about your uh, property tax issue with the uh, Keen. Um, is it possible for you to pay in installments? So you walk in, you pay a dollar. And then you walk out and then you walk back in and pay for a dollar Because that would be a lot of paperwork for them That might be a, a way of doing a, a type
10: of civil disobedience It would also be
0: it? a way of me spending a lot of my free time I mean, that's one of the problems with uh, with what you're suggesting there If you've got more, you can hang on 800-259-9231 I mean, you're talking about $2,900 is what they're demanding from me Almost $3,000 it could
2: be $100 every time or something like that it,
0: it could be I mean, you can pay in installments I'm sure they would take your money from you but that would mean I'd have to stand in line an awful lot. More coming up. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live.
5: This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com.
0: This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Even in these remaining moments, enough time for your call tonight. It's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. If you enjoy this program, we could use your vote at vote.freetalklive.com. It's uh, one way that you can help us. Get more listeners, Find uh, help new people find this program, help them uh, get exposed to the ideas of freedom. Your vote makes a big difference. If you've yet to vote in the month of November, please take a moment, go to vote.freetalklive.com. And if you're frustrated with the lack of freedom where you live and are tired of the oppressive state intruding into your business and personal life, if you knew that thousands of liberty-minded people were all moving to the same place and getting active, would you want to join them? Well, you can. Just join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. Again, that's freestateproject.org. The three of us are all uh, participants in the Free State Project. We've all already made the move to New Hampshire. Looking forward to uh, having you join us as well, because for me, back where I come from, the liberty movement barely existed. And up here, it exists to the point where you can't do everything that there is to do. There's so much happening. It's, it's wonderful. All right, uh, we continue here. Mark, you've got a
2: story about... Copyright, some sort of secret treaty has been signed. What is going on? Yeah, this is from Cory Doctoro over at BoingBoing.net. Secret copyright treaty leaks. It's bad. Very bad. The Internet chapter of the Anti-Counterfeiting Trade Agreement, a secret copyright treaty whose text Obama's administration refused to disclose due to national security concerns, has leaked. It's bad. It says that ISPs have to proactively police copyright on user-contributed material. This means that it will be impossible to run a service like Flickr or YouTube or Blogger since hiring enough lawyers to ensure that the mountain of material uploaded every second isn't in, um, in interfering, uh, infringing, and will exceed any hope of profitability. So somebody it? has to oversee all of the submissions for YouTube? Well, they don't have to. It's just that ISPs have to proactively police. That's, they're responsible So for...
0: YouTube isn't responsible for overseeing itself. The ISP is responsible for YouTube? Very confusing. I don't understand how that could be possible.
2: I would think that, US, uh, that YouTube would be responsible, but I don't know. YouTube's well,
0: maybe... not an ISP. If that's right. internet service providers, what that stands for yeah, but,
3: but a lot of i s p s they host people's websites they host domains, so maybe that's what they mean that anybody they host they'll have they have to police what they content they put up I see at the very
2: least uh that would uh, in you know make it so that a company that wanted to compete with these organizations like Flickr youtube or blogger or whatever that already you know have their lawyers in place and don't have to do these things would never be able to come into competition, all right. So the, the, that ISPs have to cut off the internet access of accused copyright infringers or face liability of accused infringers. So it Does says doesn't
0: mean convicted infringers.
2: They or they face liability. Wow. That means that your entire family could be denied to the internet and hence to civic participation, health information, education, communications, their means of earning a living. If one member is accused of copyright infringement without access to a trial or counsel,
0: that's crazy. That could also that could also include somebody just sitting out in front of your house using your Wi-Fi signal because there are a lot of families, a lot of people that have Wi-Fi that don't lock their signals, they don't uh, put passwords on them, uh, they don't encrypt their their Wi-Fi, and so therefore you can you can find this by getting a war driving program and and uh, getting your laptop and driving around your city, it'll pop up all of the uh, the various different access points that there are, and it'll tell you which ones are locked and which ones are unlocked. If you find an unlocked access point you could just sit there and uh you know download some copyrighted stuff and if they detected that if the ISPs were doing what they're being told to do here and and were able to detect that copyright violation which seems kind of unlikely but who knows what they'll end up doing uh and they detect that and they send out a warning to you you could you could have never done anything you could never have once downloaded a copyrighted uh, material and it could have been somebody. Could have been one of your friend, your kid's friends, that brought his laptop over and was using your uh, your network. It could be some guy Anything. across the street in the uh, the apartment building across the street that was using your Wi-Fi signal without your knowledge. So you're completely you're saying you'd be cut off from the internet entirely.
2: In that, that case that that is that much is true. Yes. So um you know if as if those things aren't enough, there's it goes on. <laughs> oh, and I'm sure this is only the beginning of the government's
0: uh, crackdown on uh, the internet.
2: That the whole world must adopt U.S.-style notice and takedown rules that require ISPs to remove any material that is not accused, um, whatever that means, again, without evidence or trial of infringing copyright.
0: Well, the good news is the whole world isn't going to do this because the whole world doesn't agree on stuff like this.
2: Well, this is a treaty,
0: though. So between some countries, but not the whole true. world, true. Some. I mean, there's there are still going to be places in which you'll be able to have certain things hosted without being
2: concerned about the, the government people coming in. But nonetheless, it's disturbing. So he goes on. This this has proved to be a disaster in the U.S. and other countries where it provides an easy means of censoring material just by accusing it of infringing on copyright. Mm-hmm. Mandatory prohibitions on breaking D.R.M., even if, Digital rights management. Yeah. Mandatory prohibitions on breaking DRM. Even if doing so for lawful purpose, uh, for uh, exempli gratis, to make a uh, work available to disabled people for archival pre- preservations because you own the copyrighted work that is locked up with DRM. So. Right. Okay. Is that it? That's it. Okay. This <laughs> is it enough. So, so this has
0: already been signed, this treaty, or is it being proposed or what?
2: Yeah, uh, there. I, I don't know that it has necessarily been signed. The Internet Chapter of the Anti-Confederating Counterfeiting Trade Agreement, a secret copyright treaty whose text Obama's administration refused to disclose due to national security, has leaked. It says. I see.
0: So still waiting then to to find out for sure if this is going to go through. But yeah, it probably will. Yep. You know because the the music industry and the movie industry are still uh, while they're dying monsters they are still fairly influential dying monsters and they have the ability to lobby politicians and, you know buy them nice things and have them uh, pass this legislation have them pass this treaty uh it's it's pretty disturbing and and if they're saying that the uh, the internet service providers are going to be responsible for monitoring copyright
3: that's ridiculous
2: yeah it is ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous and it what it is it just it essentially takes the average citizen once again and turns them into a, a uh, criminal. conscripted law enforcement officer for Uh, the bureaucrats. Look, if you want me to do your law enforcement work, you need to pay me for your law enforcement work, um, and I should be able to decide whether or not I want to do it. This is a free country, right? No.
0: No, no, it's not. (laughs) (inaudible) Toll-free (inaudible) numbers (inaudible) 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airways. Now, interestingly, Mark, you had another story. I don't know if you have it uh, ready, but you had another story talking about file sharers And that uh, according to at least some information, they may be more likely than non-file sharers to actually purchase
2: music and movies. It's an interesting statistic. I think it's a little bit flawed, but it says uh, from the uh, DailyMail.co.uk, illegal downloaders spend more money on music than those who obey the law. So people who are illegally downloading uh, music spend more on official uh, releases than anyone else, according to a new survey. The study published today by Think Tank Demos found that those who admit to file sharing spend an average of 77 pounds a year uh, on singles and albums, uh, 33 pounds more than those who claim never to have wrongly accessed music for free. Researcher Peter Bradwell said that the, the findings could force companies and politicians to wake up to the changing nature of the music oh, industry as the government <laughs> plans to disconnect illegal downloaders from the Internet in a three-strikes-you're-out rule. That's in the UK.
0: You know, it is interesting, uh, and, it, and it makes sense to me because a somebody who's file-sharing has a, uh, an, an, a larger amount of options on their plate. They can listen to a bunch of different things. Let's talk about mu- music. They can listen to different music. They can download the entire CD, decide whether they like it, and then go out and buy it, whereas the old model is you'll hear a single, and if you like the single, then you'll roll the dice and buy the CD and maybe you'll be happy with it. Maybe you won't. Too late, you can't take it back. Uh, So this actually allows them to sample more choices. And so it probably means they're downloading a whole bunch of stuff they're not purchasing, but in the long run, they're deciding to purchase more than people otherwise going through the the old model of purchasing. But uh, let's go to the phones. Ken is on the line in New York. Ken, you're on Free Talk Live. Ken, New York, going once. Ken in New York, going twice. Ken. Ken is gone. So, what your point you're going to make, Mark, is that you're you're concerned they didn't break down for age category in this uh, in this study? Right. I
2: think that um, you know they're they're saying that uh, the people that uh, spend more are, uh, you know, the the people that download are spend more. And I, I I don't know specifically whether they're talking about the individuals that download or whether they're talking about demographics or, or anything like that. But I can tell you that I don't spend any money on music. And I don't download music because I'm not interested in music because I'm too old. Okay? <laughs> no, you're not. Well, I, I, do, how much money did you spend in the last year on CDs,
3: Wayne? I don't buy CDs. I download.
2: <laughs> really? How much did you spend on it though?
3: Oh, uh, probably hundred
2: bucks. Really? I nothing like that. I just I, when you get to a certain age, you don't spend much on, on music by and large. Depends Wayne. on who you are, Mark. All right, more on the way. Of course it nights. does. We're we'll talking see about you statistics, tomorrow. Jackass.
0: Online in the meantime <laughs> at
6: freetalklive.com. How long can you hold your breath? Not long.